Hey guys, it's TJ. At the risk of repeating myself, I'm going to repeat myself a lot this episode. I think you're going to hear uh, the five things that I'm giving you to really practically improve your relationships more than five times. Um, so that's a good thing because honestly, these are things that we need to remind ourselves of and hopefully you're going to get a new perspective. I'm sharing some practical stories. Uh, like anything, of course, you know, in context, a lot of these stories are really going to be helpful for you. Uh, and I think that taking away some of these practicals and applying them to your life daily. I mean, if you're somebody who's trying to really grow in your relationships, you need to listen to the end because I'm going to be talking about roles and responsibilities, relationship duality, and things that can really help you take these five things, apply them, but apply them within the right design, within the right means, within the right understanding of how relationships can be viewed. Because as you'll hear, I didn't do that. And it kind of created a couple situations where I got burned um, several times. So anyway, I won't say any more. Listen to it. Enjoy it. If you haven't already, go ahead and uh, check out the other episodes from this season on relationships. And uh, please leave a, re- leave a rating or review. Um, I think I almost said a rating you, uh, which is a rating and review combined. So leaving both would be best. Uh, I, I'm just glad you guys are here. I appreciate you. So we've been talking about fundamentals, foundation, basics around relationships, starting with the mindset that you need, getting into signs that relationships that are unhealthy, signs that relationships are healthy. And all of these things are going to help you be better at relationships. But today I want to talk specifically about the practical things that you can do to be better at relationships. I'm talking very practical on a day-to-day basis. A lot of what we're talking about is mindset-driven, right? And so the practicals I'm going to be giving you are very much centered in the mindset that you have when approaching relationships. Now, just a a quick kind of like background about how I think about relationships. So me as a young person growing up and living in this world, I never really gave two extra, you know, steps worth of thought into relationships that I'm engaging with. I just always naturally did some of the things that I'm going to share with you. And so um, you know, for me to actually think through what are things that I did naturally, that that was, uh, I, th- I think, a good exercise for me because there are things I do naturally that are not, not good <laughs> and there are things that I do naturally that are good. And so me thinking through this for myself helped me identify maybe areas where you can, you can grow in, benefit from without having to do the things that maybe aren't so good, okay? So when it comes to relationships... Um, it is something that I think I've, I've had a lot of growth in, but it's also something that I've been gifted in. I've been gifted in relationships, and from an early age, I can remember thinking back to um, just being naturally uh, gifted, and it's ironic that I even use that word because I went to a school for, it was, uh, it was for gifted and talented students in math and science specifically. Long, long story short, I was surrounded by a bunch of people who were a lot smarter than me. And, and I went to this school and I remember thinking to myself, wow, these kids are really smart. And this was for 12, 12 years of my life, first 12 years of schooling when I was two and a half till I was 14 or so. I remember thinking to myself, wow, these kids are really smart. And I maybe feel a little inadequate or insecure in my intellect compared to theirs. Um, and, and so one of the ways that I naturally found myself excelling uh, was through being socially smart was through being 
uh, socially oriented or, or relationship driven. And, and I thought, wow, if I, can, if I can stand out in this way, then it makes me feel a little bit better about myself because I'm not as smart as these kids who were doing calculus in sixth grade. And so I learned early on that I had a gifting to be able to excel at relationships. But what I didn't see was that I needed to understand how to have wisdom in relationships and and how I could actually operate in in a healthy way in relationships and that there was even a healthy versus unhealthy way to, to do relationships. And so for me, that's one of the first things that I'll, that I'll kind of point you to is I would go back, if you haven't already, I would go back into the podcast if you're on Facebook right now. There's a link to it in the comments. But I would go back into the podcast and get like the foundation set for how to think about relationships before you even dive into this, okay? Um, but in today, you know, in, in today's specific episode, I really just want to talk about how you can take some of the things that I've found have worked really well for me naturally um, that have helped me kind of develop a, um, just like a, a natural connection with people that I don't even know. And I think that's really helpful in today's world because we've really lost our ability to, uh, to take an interest in other people. We've lost our ability to make an authentic connection. We don't really trust um, a lot of the connections that we have because so much of what we see is disingenuous. You see people f- posting family photos and like, meanwhile, their family is completely, you know, a mess um, online and social media, or you see people posting all the success they have in business. And meanwhile, like they're, they're not having a lot of success in business. And, um, and so I think that's more of not a judgment, but an observation of just how much pain people are in and how they don't know how to be their full self. And so when I think about relationships, the first thing that I'll say, you, say to you as far as how to practically you know, be better at relationships, and this is a practical tip, is, is I, the, like before anything, just see people for who they are, for who God made them to be. So I'm talking when it's the doorman, whether it's the person who is um, you know, passing by you in the hallway, the person on the sidewalk, uh, the person who you've known your whole life and have allowed all these other people to speak into your life about how that, how you should see that person, that father, that mother, whatever it might be. And you've let all of these different things and influences shape your perspective of this person. The, the starting point for you in terms of how to be better at relationships is to start to see that person for how God made them. To start to see that person as they are authentically. That means vulnerably, in the pain that they're in, in the joy that they have, in the different things that are happening in their life. When you can start to look at somebody and put a name to them and start to see them for who they truly are. And when, we, when I say who they truly are, people talk about the idea of like true colors to come out. Well, no, actually for a lot of people, true colors are pain. So when I'm talking about, when I'm talking about who somebody truly is, I'm saying in the way that God sees them. And who people truly are, are broken people. They've got problems, they've got challenges, just like you do, just like I do. And when you see people for, for who they are, you're able to see, wow, okay, this person, although they might be putting up this particular face, what I sense in my heart is that they're not actually having a great day. Everything is not okay. And so what that does is then it presents an opportunity for me to do number two, right? So if number one is seeing people for who they truly are and where they're at, 
Number two is then just taking a genuine interest in them. Take a genuine interest in them. And so what that looks like when you're taking a genuine interest in somebody is it's just simply asking questions, is being curious. And I think a lot of us are very quick to, um, or what I've seen not work in relationships, and it's funny because I had a really hard time translating this online. Um, that's another discussion. But what, I, what I've seen not work in relationships is when we just are um, kind of quick to like take our own interest. And it's, it's better to be interested than be interesting. And I think what I had a difficult time, me personally, I'm talking about my personal struggle here, but when I stepped into the world online, right, I really struggle with knowing how do you take genuine interest in other people when it feels so like one-sided, one way, just look at me. And what I've learned is that, you know, the principles of our reality offline are they apply online too. In other words, it's really important that we take interest in other people online um, just as much as it is that we take interest in other people offline. And one of the things that I've kind of naturally done my whole life uh, for whatever reason is I've just taken an interest in other people because I'm curious. I'm curious about their life. I'm curious about their story. I'm curious about their day. I'm curious about their pain. I'm curious about their wins. I'm curious about you know, what they're proud of. I'm curious about the life that they want to live. I'm curious what's stopping them. I'm curious how they can actually reach their potential. I'm curious about these things. And I want to see people genuinely succeed in life. And and so when I'm at my best, right, and when you got to think about it, like I'm not at my best all the time, but when I'm at my best, I'm, I'm genuinely interested. I'm genuinely interested in the person that is in front of me. And so what that could look like just on a practical level, right? So if number one, you're seeing people for who they truly are and where they're at. Number two, you just take a genuine interest in them with curiosity. What that could look like is, let's say you live in New York, and this is a good example for me because I practically lived there for seven years. And we had a doorman in our building, and it's common for doormen in New York. Not every building is common to have doormen in New York, particularly where I was living and what I was doing for work and all these other things. There was just a time in my life where I got to, like, that was really, outside of work, that was my only connection. I had my roommates, I had people I worked with, and then I had the doorman and the people that I would chat with, you know, they're on a rotating basis, the doorman on Monday through Thursday, and then the doorman on Friday through Sunday, and all these different, you know, people would come through. But pretty much every time I walked downstairs at the same time in the morning or some similar time in the evening on certain days, there were maybe two or three different guys there. Or in one case on the weekends, there was a woman. And I remember each person had such different background and such different personalities. And I use this example because I think it's just a good reflection of kind of how we interact with the world. Not every person's the same. So for example, with Lemmy, Lemmy would be at the door and he would want to um, just, he was from Eastern European country and uh, just really the culture of that for him, the culture that he came from, the culture in his upbringing was very much family. And it was very much, if he saw you like family, want to have you over. And so literally, Lemmy and I would, would, he would have me over at the front desk, so to speak. And I would come home and it would be like 7 or 8 p.m. And we would just sit there or stand really and talk for like an hour, sometimes two hours. And I would just stand there with Lemmy. I would be curious about his day. I'd be curious about what happened in his life. I'd be curious how he got to where he was. And I found out all these things about him. 
I found out that he used to actually own a business. I found out he used to be an accountant, and I found out the hardship and difficulty it was coming from another country into the United States and how he actually got here winning a green card lottery and how that was like a golden ticket and how he was willing to lay down even being in another country with an accounting job, which was you know viewed as a good job, to then become a doorman, at, and, and not that that's not a good job, but from where what he was doing, and in, in his home country to what he was doing here, he recognized and saw the difference. He was like, you know, it's just a different life. And I wanted to have a different life. And I wanted to give my children a different life than what I had. And so he started telling me all of these things. And we developed understanding. We developed um, connection. And two people of two different ages were able to start developing a connection just through simple conversation of seeing him where he's at, understanding, hey, man, there's something different about this guy. I wonder what his life's been like. How did he get here? How did he get to, you know, this building that we live in, this job, this time in life? And for me personally, you know, what do I have to learn from him? And so having those conversations, I would end up walking away with so much of a different understanding. And you think about doing that over the course of not just one year, not just two years, but several years, you think about doing that over the course of your lifetime and how many different people you can communicate with over the course of your lifetime and how much you can learn from other people over the course of your lifetime, you really start developing friendships. And to the point where Lemmy and I, I ended up going over to his home. I ended up meeting his daughter, meeting his wife. We ended up spending time together. I got to learn more about his culture, more about things that were happening in his, in his life. And Lemmy ended up becoming a friend to me. To the point where we, we share the same birthday and we'll message, it's not uncommon for us to message each other, happy birthday, um, you know, years later. We're talking like, what, 10 years later now. Lemmy and I still have this relationship that developed, right? Now contrast that with Lorraine, who was there on the weekends. And Lorraine and I got to know each other, but it was a much different experience. Lorraine was, and I don't even remember where she was from. Lorraine and I would just have this polite conversation. But every time I would come chat with Lorraine, we started talking about things like the weather or things like what was going on at work and how busy she was, right? So as I started to take an interest in Lorraine, it looked like a lot different conversation. In other words, I had to be sensitive to the fact that not everybody's the same. Not everybody's going to want to pull up the chair, sit down, talk for three hours, and have a personal connection and a lifelong happy birthday over message friendship where I, you know, I get to see your daughter grow up from afar and all these other things. With Lorraine, it was as simple as she knew that she could have a polite, kind uh, person in her life that would bring a smile to her face, remind her that she's valued, and actually kind of communicate, hey, you know, for me, what I saw was I saw Lorraine was anxious often. I saw that she really struggled with, with taking care of everything, and there was a lot of unrest that was going on inside of her. Now, what that meant for me was my role wasn't to tell her, hey, let's, let's address this stress and anxiety. What that meant for me was, hey, I can be like a calming presence in your life. And I wasn't even thinking about this consciously, but it's like I can be a calming presence in your life with a simple hello. How are you? And being slow and thoughtful and just just really being curious about how she's actually doing without going into all the weeds of her family and what's going on in her life. Just actually slowing my day down to show somebody, hey, I actually care about you and it's just out of sincerity because I I don't really have a lot to gain here. Um, I have to go to work (laughs) or I'm coming home from work and or I'm, I'm trying, you know, I think she was on the weekends so I would normally see her while I was like trying to enjoy time off of work. 
And so I didn't really want to be hanging out. But she didn't necessarily want to have a conversation either. So I think that's really the third point is if you're, number one, kind of seeing people for who they truly are, how God sees them, and where they're at in life. And number two, you're taking a genuine interest. And number three, what you're really doing, what you need to do then is kind of understand how you can really uh, best engage with them. And that's going to be different from person to person. And you have something to offer people just through who you are uniquely. You have something to offer people. But as you start to understand and get curious about, you know, what people are going through and just asking genuine questions, you can start to see, hey, maybe if it's not encouragement that I can offer somebody, maybe I can actually help them problem solve. And I remember for one example with Lorraine, there was actually somebody who threw a trash bag down the, down the trash chute and it had glass and it broke everywhere. And I remember I came downstairs one time and she, uh, she looked at me and she started screaming, ah, started screaming. She was getting all, she was getting all out of control. And then this guy comes out of the back and he's got blood everywhere. And she saw my face. And this is what's so cool about it. She saw my face. She looked at me and she goes, Hey, TJ, and she just, it was like, this is, this is the person that can help me right now. I'm so glad it's you. Not because I knew what to do, but because, and I didn't understand this until after the fact, there was a man who, who actually had been injured. And he had been injured, and it was, uh, he'd been injured to the point where it was like up near, you know, his, his man parts. And she didn't want to go back and, and like see what was going on because she was like, that's not for me, that I need a man to go back and check this out. And so there I am, I just showed up, I got off the elevator, and she's saying, wow, here's TJ, here's this guy that I trust, here's a man that is needed right now, and he can be of help to me. And so I learned through that kind of situation is like, man, those small interactions that we had for however long we had them, even if it was just one, the fact that she could in that moment look to me, I was there not even doing anything on my own to be there. I just was happened to be leaving at that time. And she could look to me and say, hey, I really need your help right now. And I could be the guy who says, hey, I'm happy to do it. You know, what do you need from me? We had already built a relationship, so to speak. We'd already had trust. Uh, and so there were just, I think, a level, an added level of like comfort or security, whatever you want to call it in that moment where she's looking for help. And I guess I was in position to do it, right? So that leads me to the, to the next point, which I would say is, okay, number one, after you see people for who God sees them to be and where they're actually at, number two, you approach them with curiosity, take an interest in them. Number three, you understand that people need to be engaged with differently, so offer what you can. Um, you don't have to offer everybody the same thing, right? You don't have to offer everybody help. You don't have to fix everybody's problems. Sometimes it's just encouragement. Sometimes it's a smile. Sometimes it's years-long relationship. Um, number four, and this is more to the point of the Lorraine story, is don't be afraid to ask for help yourself. Don't be afraid to ask for help yourself. This is one of the most important things to help build relationships, whether it's at work, whether it's personally, and I'm talking very practical right now. I'm talking very practical, but don't be afraid to ask for help. It's one of, there's an old story about, I think it was Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin was asking, um, and I'm going to totally butcher this story. So if somebody actually knows the story, you can tell it better, tell it better to your friends. Um, but it was, it was something to the effect of Benjamin Franklin needed something done. And so what he did is he asked for a favor. 
He asked for a favor. He asked for help. And, and by that person um, then feeling like they could help, it actually helped them want to help Benjamin Franklin. And so for me, I guess the moral of that story, the lesson from that story or what I've seen personally, and let me just go back to my personal stories, the ones I actually know most of the time. <laughs> um, but for me, the lesson from, from that story and what I've seen in my life over and over and over again is, is people are actually more inclined to help than you think. And when you actually ask for favor, when you actually ask for help, people get more enjoyment, satisfaction out of helping you than, uh, than you might expect to realize. In other words, the simple way to put it is the gift is with the giver. The gift is with the giver. And so when you understand that people who give are the ones who actually receive, then Asking for help doesn't become this whole like trigger, oh my gosh, what happens if I ask for help and they think something of me at work? Or what happens if I, you know, ask for help and I'm no longer the super mom? This one's come up before. Um, You know, what happens if my perception is I'm no longer the person who can do it all? And it's like, well, why do you want to hold on to that perception in the first place? You're just preventing connection. You're just preventing opportunity to actually grow in not just their satisfaction and how that looks, but also for, for me, right? You know, for me, I get more satisfaction out of that. When somebody else is able to help me, I get satisfaction, they get satisfaction. It's a win-win all around the table. But here's what the enemy wants to do. The enemy wants to push you into isolation. The enemy wants to push you into self-sufficiency and make you believe lies that, that keep you kind of twiddling your thumbs and stuck in your own you know, stress response and all these other things. But when you understand these principles and you understand, hey, asking for help actually creates opportunity. Asking for help helps me, but it also helps them too. When you get that perspective, you actually start approaching your life a lot differently and things become a lot easier. And the, I'll, I'll do number five and then I'll kind of like summarize with a couple different things to think about. If you guys have questions while I'm talking, by the way, please go ahead and ask so that I can answer them. Um, but number five, I think this is a really important one, is just communicate honestly. Just communicate honestly. It kind of ties into everything that I've talked about in the first place. But um, the idea here of communicating honestly and how that helps your relationships, what I've found, and this comes from you know living with years of dysfunction, seeing for myself how people's perception and reality are so different, so different. I've been mediating since I was eight years old. And I have seen for myself firsthand how what one person hears is not what was said. And I have learned uh, just the importance. I've learned the importance of communicating not to the point of exhaustion, but communicating honestly. And there's a big difference. I used to communicate and over-communicate, and I still communicate or try to over-communicate, because I understand the things that can be interpreted and how it's not what's said. Um, But I used to do it to the point of striving and exhaustion, not leaving any room for error. And the problem with that is you actually kind of like remove God's opportunity to work in your life when you communicate to the point of exhaustion, right? Sometimes what you are communicating will be heard one way, and, and maybe it's better it's heard that way. And other times what you're communicating will be heard different than how you actually meant to say it. And maybe it's not better. But the reality is, if you're just communicating honestly, if you're just communicating clearly, 
as best to your ability as you can, um, that's going to lead to the best outcome. And the best outcome might not be the outcome you're looking for originally. The best outcome might actually be something to the effect of another honest conversation. In other words, let's say you have a conflict with your significant other, right? Let's say you have a conflict and let's say you bring up the, hey, you know, when you say this one thing, it really makes me feel this way. When, when you don't acknowledge me when I walk in the door, I don't feel, really feel respected. Okay, so if I'm communicating that honestly and they hear me and what they hear is, um, you know, let's say, oh, well, you just think that I work too much because when, I come, when, when you come home, uh, I don't acknowledge you. So it's all about work and then it's all about, and let's just say that that's how they hear it, which is not what you said. That's okay, because if you both are open to moving forward, communicating honestly, if you both are seeing people for how God sees them, where they're at in their reality, if you're taking an interest in that person, seeking curiosity, right? If you understand that you need to engage with people differently, depending on, I don't know, what time of day it is, what context they're coming from, um, the type of personality, et cetera, right? And if you understand this idea of, of, of asking for help, and communicating honestly, what you might say is, okay, so, all right, you're hearing me um, communicate something about work, but can you just help me understand? Can you just help me understand? So like, how did you hear that from what I said so that I can try and get on your same page, so that I can try and get, you know, exactly to where you're at. And that whole, you just opened a new door just by having curiosity just by trying to seek understanding, just by asking for some help, seeing people where that, you see, I'm giving you all these different ways of thinking about this, but it all leads to the the one thing, which is you're moving forward in communication in a healthy way with a significant other or other person. And that's building a deeper connection. And that came through potentially a conflict that, that came through communicating honestly. In other words, you can get on the other side of that and be stronger. You guys can see for yourselves, wow, okay, when we're both able to speak honestly with each other and we're both able to communicate with curiosity, see each other for where we're at, see each other for how God sees us, we can actually end up to a totally different conversation that leads me to understand, wow, I actually have this whole wrestle in my heart, guilt with working late. I have this guilt in my heart with working late. And that's actually what came up out of this whole thing of you not feeling respected when you come home and I don't acknowledge you. Oh my gosh, I learned something about myself. You learned something about me. We learned something about each other. And now with that self-awareness, it creates so many more opportunities because now you're going to be able to be more honest with yourself. You're going to be able to see maybe blind spots that you hadn't seen before. And it's going to affect not just your personal relationship with that person, but also your work relationships. You can see how this spills over into so many areas. The real key for everybody who's listening, okay, the real key is that when we communicate honestly, we are not afraid to be wrong. We're open to redirection. We can, can take some, maybe something that we've heard and we can just bring it to light. And when you do that, you can actually see that your perception might, might not match reality. And so, so with, I see this happen with relationships all the time. I see it happen in my own relationship with my wife. I see it happen in my relationship you know, with clients or people, you know, friends, whoever, that something I say, something they say, it doesn't get communicated, right? It doesn't get communicated exactly how it's meant to get communicated. 
That's a guarantee. You need to know that's a guarantee. By the way, that's how the enemy works. So when you know how the enemy works, that's how you win the war. Great. What war? The communication war. Or if, I'm, if you're following me and tracking, okay, things of the spirit, right? If you're tracking the war between spirit, right? Between principalities. This is not a war between flesh. This is not a, a you versus me thing. This is a war between spirit and the influence that we're under, right? So if you're, if you're following what I'm saying, this will make a lot of sense to you, especially with regards to how you can communicate in a healthy way that's going to produce fruit, produce things that produce self-control, patience, kindness, love, gentleness, right? You're going to produce these things in your relationships. And man, let me tell you this, like when you have those things present in your life, you have a more fulfilling life. You have a more fulfilling life. When those things are present in your relationships, you have a much more fulfilling life than had they not been present. And so I want to kind of leave you with this. And I think this will really help somebody because as I was talking about different examples, and I know I used the example of, uh, of Lemmy and Lorraine, um, I know I used the example of my wife and just the conflict that can come up there. I know I've even used different ways of thinking about maybe some things that you've heard before, um, or maybe even I brought up some things that you've heard before and, and you just needed to hear it again. One thing that I think if I were to kind of give you like a, a, a final, this is a practical and it will really set you up for success in any relationship. It is understanding that there has to be a mutual understanding of roles in your relationship. I'm going to repeat that. For you to really be set up for success, you could do all those five things I talked about, and that's great. You could, you could do them, and you could probably have a lot of positive change in in your relationships. But for you to really set yourself up for success, you got to have a mutual understanding of the roles that you each have. So for example, this is going to be groundbreaking for some of you. And I've, I've learned this the hard way. For example, if somebody sees you as a friend and you're not Let's put it this way. If somebody sees you as a best friend and you're not their best friend, that's okay. And that person who sees you as a best friend is going to be disappointed. They're going to be disappointed when their expectations aren't met. Now, who's at fault here? Well, Are both people, is one person and not the other? The key is getting clear on expectations, roles, responsibilities. Now, you don't need to do this with everybody, but it's important to get a general idea. And a really safe way to do this is to ask yourself honestly, how does this person see me in their life? Do they see me as, and this is very clear in dating relationships, boyfriend, girlfriend, right? Do they see me as this type of person? Do they see me as a business partner? Do they see me as a friend? Do they see me as a boss? Do they see me as a mentor? Do they see me as a mentee? Do they see me as a husband? Some people are married and they don't see their significant other as the person that they're married to. Think about this. 
right? Do they see me as anybody in their life? Do I have a role in their life? And this is really key. For example, understanding that, I'll just give you the example with Lemmy. When I think back to that relationship with Lemmy and how that kind of unfolded, there were different stages to that relationship. At first it was hello, then there was the, oh, you're actually going to be here for a while, you know, him to me, like, oh, you're not just here and you're leaving or you actually take an interest in care and you actually want to talk, whatever it might be. And then, and then it was, oh, okay, we actually have some things in common. We actually see things maybe a little different, maybe a little the same in this way. Oh, and then it turned into real relationship. Oh, I care about your family. What's going on? Oh, I care about... And so then it turned into a little bit more like a friendship, not just a, I am a person that, um, that actually needs like your service, you know, because you're hired for this. And so I'm actually paying for that. And so then, no, it turned into actually like, this is a, this is a friendship. This is a friendship. Well, now when you step into friendship territory, there are different expectations, roles and responsibilities, so to speak. Now, this is really key because earlier I talked about, when I started, I talked about the level of dysfunction that existed in my relationships. It wasn't healthy. And one of the reasons that I had so much dysfunction in relationships in my life was because of this very thing. I didn't have a good understanding of what was within my roles and responsibility and what was not. Because from a young age, I took on roles and responsibility of other people, maybe because they neglected them. They didn't know to take them. Whatever it was, I filled the gap. And many people do that. Many people do that. And when you fill the gap of other people's roles and responsibilities, you learn something called false responsibility, which I talk about. You learn something... um, that is not necessarily going to be healthy if you carry that up, if you, if you carry that out long term. Okay, so while it might help you get through a situation to pick up somebody else's responsibility, when your environment or situation changes, having that same mentality is not going to help you or other people. And so people need to understand how they've been, um, I would call it, you know, conditioned or what they've learned or whatever it might be. They do naturally need to understand that. And part of understanding that is recognizing there's different roles, even within one relationship, there's different roles that you can have with them. So for example, on my team, I have a team. We have uh, two people who are coaching. We have one person who's doing um, client experience and helping out with other things. And so those roles with them look like, yes, friendship, but it also looks like working relationship. And if you don't have a clear differentiation between the two, well, then people are going to end up disappointed. People are going to end up with all kinds of emotions and feelings that get involved, which are important. Emotions and feelings should not be neglected, but they're, they might be misrepresented if we're not super clear on roles and responsibilities. And the fact that you can have something called role duality, where somebody can have multiple roles in your life, And this is where earlier in the podcast, if you haven't checked it out, I would listen to it when I talk about authority and who or what you give authority to. That's why I say give authority to God. Give authority to God in every area of your life. And then as you go through life and you see people that you have clearly identified, this is this type of person to me. This is their role and responsibility. This is how they see me. This is how I see them. And that's clear, both both of us. I can give them some authority in this area of my life, maybe it's finances, I have one person in my life that I've given full authority to speak into my life and financially. He's seen me through the ups and downs. He's 
um, you know, a best friend. He's, I think, has good authority in terms of when it comes to understanding how to manage finances with a responsible and wise approach. Um, he fears God and he understands that, you know, God is first and last for him. And we share that. We share those values. He's seen me make mistakes. He's seen me do things that I, you know, I don't even agree with myself. I don't know if you guys have ever done anything you don't agree with, but I've done things I don't agree with. Um, he's seen me walk through forgiveness, change. He's, so I've over time said, I need some more accountability in this area of my life. I want to grow in this area of my life. And one of the reasons that I ended up broke before was because I didn't have the proper accountability and I didn't give appropriate authority to anybody, not even God. And so then I realized, oh my, oh my gosh, I need to change that. But I couldn't just give that to anybody, right? I couldn't just give that authority to away, away to anybody. There needed to be a clear, in this particular area of my life, there needed to be a clear, hey, I, I genuinely see that, that you are a person I want to give full authority to, to speak into my life financially, meaning you can ask whatever questions you want. You can, you can look at whatever you want. Um, in terms of whatever, bank accounts, investments, ideas, decisions, whatever. Now, that's not saying, hey, keep me accountable. That's not what I'm doing. I'm not pushing responsibility on somebody. I'm saying I'm inviting you into this if you agree. And what that means is I will be the one who's proactive about communicating that clearly. And so for me, that's just an internal check. When we'll have conversation, I can say, hey, Hey man, just to like update you because this is important to me. It's good for for me. Um, I just want to share this with you. Can I share this for a sec? Oh yeah, absolutely. Because that role expectation is set very clearly. Now, I have given other people authority in my life that didn't not deserve, but maybe didn't have the same clarity around roles, responsibility, expectation, whatever it might be, and that ends up in dis- disappointment. Why? Because, well, that person either didn't know, had a different idea, it wasn't communicated clearly by me or them. And you know what happens for a lot of us is we end up blaming somebody that ought to know better. And that's honestly just an excuse. If you're blaming somebody that ought to know better, you're not taking personal responsibility for the fact that you ought to know better. And if you ought to know better, (laughs) then then you got to look within and say, okay, is it okay that I didn't know? Because I look back at our relationship, I see the evolution of that, I see how this happened, that happened, these other things. And you know what? How it started is not how it ended. And that's because there's a lot of things that happen in between. And that's okay. I can have grace for that. There's grace for that, meaning there's space for that. Another word for grace is space. And God gives grace or gives us space so that we can have the opportunity to change and grow. And other people need that too. We need grace or space to grow. We need opportunity to grow. So I think everybody listening is going to have the opportunity to grow with at least one thing from what I've mentioned, right? With at least one thing from what I've mentioned. Now, I would say what you need to do is you need to like walk away and say, okay, other things that TJ said, maybe it's the idea of thinking about somebody from God's perspective and where they're really at, not just taking it at face value. Maybe taking curiosity or taking an interest in somebody and applying that daily. Like, what does it look like for me to do that seriously? Okay, and then if I'm doing that, And I understand that I need to adjust accordingly. Not everybody's the same. So I need to adjust, maybe not adjust who I am, but maybe adjust what I share, how I share, what I'm saying, you know, what kind of things that I talk about with different people 
right? So if I'm thinking about that clearly, then maybe I change dynamics of who I'm engaging with, whether it's online or maybe it's in person. Maybe I can think about how could I, let's say I have a relationship I want to grow in. How could I just like engage a step further? Is this, is this the type of person that needs me to be more proactive, needs me to have like a long chat? You know, do they need encouragement? Or is this a person who actually, they don't necessarily need me to engage with them every day for us to build a relationship? You know, so you start to think about things differently in that way. And sometimes then if you're thinking, if you're following what I'm saying, you can just ask for help. Hey, like what's a good way for us to continue conversation? This works great with clients or potential clients. What's a good way for us to continue conversation? I've done this the wrong way, by the way. I've totally done this the wrong way. I thought I knew all this stuff about relationships and then I started running my own business. I was like, nope, don't know anything. <laughs> I've done this the complete wrong way. I know this is not the way it ought to go. Something's wrong here. I'm, it's, I'm normally good at this. What happened? Well, sometimes it's okay to just ask for help. And if you're even in a dating type of, of, of environment or relationship, right? Like it's okay to ask for help. Like, I actually don't know how to help you or I don't know how to communicate with you in this way. Um, not about love languages, by the way. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about using your words to ask somebody for help. Hey, tell me what you need. My wife says this to me all the time. What do you need today? That is one of the best questions you can ask somebody, period. Hey, what do you need today? You know why? Because if they can't tell you what they need, well, then guess what? How are you supposed to help? Obviously, God can give you a download. Yes, and I've had those. But in the absence of that, on a day-to-day basis, if somebody literally can't tell you, this is what I need, well, then I'm sorry. It's really hard to help you. And so being able to, and sometimes a good answer is, I need help understanding what I need. That's a good answer. Um, but you need to be able to be, to be asking that question, asking for help, whether it's professionally, personally, whatever it might be. And the last part, remember the fifth thing to apply, communicating honestly. Communicating honestly. You don't have to be Superman, Superwoman. Communicate honestly. I guarantee that's going to help your relationships. Now, all of that's to say, if you define roles and responsibility, if you define that for yourself, your life is going to be that much better. Your life is going to be that much better because you're not going to be setting yourself up for disappointment. You are going to be setting yourself up for success. And again, you don't need to have these conversations with somebody like all the time. Hey, friend I just met, let's define our relationship. Nope, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying be curious about asking, hmm, I wonder how this person sees me. And by the way, if they don't see me the same way I see them, maybe there's an opportunity to more clearly define what my personal boundaries are, because I don't place boundaries around you, I place them around myself, maybe there's an opportunity to define that the next interaction rather than feeling like I have to proactively do it right now. So I hope that's helpful for you guys. I know that you're going to thrive, be better at relationships after listening to this. I would really um, encourage you guys, I would ask you guys, please go ahead and share this with somebody who you want to see grow in relationships, who's working on relationships, who um, you just want to see thrive in your life because who can't benefit from having healthier, better relationships. Thanks so much, guys.